Awesome. Well, thank you. I'll get you guys back up pretty soon. Um, how much time do I have? Oh, there it is. Oh, the giant flat screen. Right. Okay. Wow. Pray for me. All right. So I'm passionate about freedom because of what God has done in my life and the freedom we have experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm passionate about things like that we call deliverance or inner healing because God has shown up in our lives in such a real and tangible way that doctors can't explain it, psychiatrists can't explain it, the world can't explain it, but we know by way of the Word of God that His he is living and true and that he's a God of his word. And what he says he will do, he will do. Amen. And when he sends out his word, he is faithful to see it come to pass. <clears throat> when my wife and I came into the church, and I'm going to get a little bit, I don't know how not to be transparent. Because my pastors are transparent. So they've, they've paved the way and shown me it's okay to be transparent and be real. The world is looking for real. They're tired of the masks, they're tired of the lies, they're tired of the hypocrisy, they're tired of the show being put on by, whether it be the world or the church. People need real, they need to know that we're not alone. We're not alone in our walk, and that somebody has gone before them, gone through that and broken through. So much of my testimony is in coming out of this church. And so I'm going to be real, I'm going to be transparent, but it's going to be good for you. It might hurt a little even, but that's okay. So I'm passionate about freedom and living the life that God called us to be. When my wife and I came into the church, we'd been married about four years, and we were busted up. We came in, we'd kind of fix things with bubble gum and duct tape and paper clips, just like, you know, prayer on a wing kind of thing. Like, we've got to try something else because this isn't working. In our own wisdom, this isn't working. In our own choices, this isn't working. And we were both raised in, in, the, in the church, and we knew that we knew that we knew we had to get back to church. And so we kind of gone to all the old churches we had been raised in or had gone to, and we walked in and we we're like, yeah, you know, it's just what we're looking for is not here. And we went to the next one. It's not here. Something in our spirit was yearning, was hungry for something, and we couldn't explain. And then we, we got invited to church. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. A person's life can be changed, even if they know Jesus. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you know they need, bring them. Drag them. Throw them in the trunk. I don't care. I'm not, you know, not giving kidnapping the approval here, but hey, <laughs> that's what it takes. No. Um, and so we came into, this, into C, C3 in our wake, and... And we, we f more than just seeing something, we felt something. Yeah. And my wife was like, buy it straight away. You know, she's like, yes, this is it. I'm sold. But all my religiosity and legalism so all of a sudden started bubbling up. I was like, mm, well, I like the, the worship music. It's awesome. I'm a musician. This is great. This is high-quality worship. Never seen that in a church before. Oh, they got media. Oh, that's amazing. I'm a graphic artist. Like, this, this is speaking to me. You know, just, mm, yeah, mm, you know, kind of checking everything out. And then they start preaching about Holy Spirit. And I was like, mm, yeah, mm, wow, okay, okay. And then they start moving in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, mm, oh, 
You lost me there. I have to go back to the word. I need to, I need to verify. I don't know. I don't know if this is real. I don't know if this is God. This is kind of weird. And so it was six months of just showing up to church and getting offended every Sunday (laughs) and double-checking my theology. Is this real? But what was undeniable was the people being transformed and them looking 50 pounds lighter because these things had been taken away. They'd been given over to God, and he had taken them. And they had peace and joy, and they were smiling again. And that is the fruit that we look at when we come into a house. Jesus says, judge by the fruit. It's okay to judge by the fruit. If there's good fruit, just go for it. The spirit of religion or or religiosity or legalism will try to take you out. I don't know how many times I've actually tried to leave. But God, it's like, no, you're in the right place, son. You're in the right place, daughter. This is the time and place for you. And so we went through a season of healing and radical transformation. And in fact, I went through my own radical deliverances. So if you're wondering why I sound funny and not just look funny, that's right, you get a two-for-one deal. Uh, I was born and raised in South Africa. So my parents were born there. um, And so my grandparents. And... um, Moved over to the States when I was 17 and had gone through some life at the young age of 17. So some of these things I'm going to talk about, they might resonate with you. They may not. That's okay. And some of you may think, well, Lance, I haven't been through all of that. I've actually had a great life. Awesome. You're more freer now to do the will of God on this earth than some of us. Right? So you're free. So let's go. All right. So um, I'm going to start literally at the beginning, if that's all right. Um, So when I was born, there was extreme trauma around the birth because I was actually a twin, and the twin had died in the womb at three months. That causes complications, right? So when it came time, I was premature. The... The, the birth almost killed me and almost killed my mother. And so my mom was in ICU for two weeks. And so there was a great amount of fear around this because we were raised Christian, but that Christianity where everything's happening to you, but nothing's happening because of you. So very much victim mentality, Christianity, and fear-driven. Like, oh, there's a demon there, there's a demon there, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing this. I'm like, well, what's God doing? You know? Um, and so there was great fear around it. And, you know, I've got three older brothers, and in all, the, in all the craziness, you know, their mom was taken away from them for two weeks, and they didn't understand. And nobody told them, hey, we love you. Mama's just healing in the hospital. But what this did was it created animosity between my brothers and myself. They blamed me for taking their mom away. And because there was fear around the whole process, there was also rejection. So feeling rejected, not knowing where it came from, my brothers being angry at me my whole life, they didn't even know why they were angry at me. And so rejection from my brothers, rejection from my mother, feeling rejected growing up my whole life. So I'd gone through, you just don't know what you don't know. And you think it's normal. I've come to tell you, rejection is not normal. That is not your identity. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I have a real 
holy anger towards the lie of rejection. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But so growing up, feeling just rejected, not knowing why, having a hard time connecting with people, building relationships, having friends. I would cycle through friends like, you know, new friends every month kind of thing. Could never felt accepted, even when I was. I couldn't receive an encouraging word. When someone gave me praise, I deflected it. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. My parents loved me. Don't get me wrong. I had a great, great upbringing. But things undealt with will eventually deal with you. Because there's no neutrality in the kingdom. There's a kingdom of heaven and then there's a kingdom of darkness. It's either or. Not, there's no gray area. I'm sorry to, to tell you. So if we're not working towards one thing, something is working towards the other. And so by the age of eight and just seeking affection and, and everything else, I'd gone through, um, by the age of eight, I'd already been sexually molested by another friend. And it wasn't like a violent thing. It was just like, oh, this is a game. Well, this looks like fun. This is something new. So having gone through that, by the time I was 12, I was addic addicted to pornography. Um, sorry, suicidal by the age of 10, because that stuff is, any time you're sworn to secrecy, in fear of destroying your family, that is a burden a child is not meant to carry. And it will take you out. Because I know, because it tried to take me out. Molested at eight, suicidal by 10, addicted to pornography at 12, because now I'm self-medicating, trying to feel good. And by 14, sexually active and bisexual. It didn't matter where the affection came from, I was gonna take it. I'm not even attracted to men. It was just whatever I could take, whatever I could get. It becomes a selfish, myopic, self-destructive lifestyle. And thank God for youth groups. Thank you, Jesus, for youth groups. Because I knew that I knew that I knew that this stuff was wrong, but it was the only thing, quote-unquote, helping. And it was temporary, and I needed another fix, and another fix, and another fix. I tried the alcohol, tried the drugs. It didn't work. And all of this had to be kept secret. Because in South Africa, it was extreme, extreme conservative Christianity. Like, if you think of the Bible Belt, times that by 10. You know, any adult in the church was allowed to discipline you. It didn't have to be your parent. So I got disciplined by people I didn't know. And I'm not talking about like, there's a timeout. I'm talking like, little smack. So with that, I'm starting to trust the church less because there's no answers here. And to the point where they're like, oh, just pray, just pray, just pray. Great. It's not helping. It's not working. What is the point of being a Christian if nothing is shifting in our world? What's the point? It's an empty prayer. There's no faith in that because there's no Holy Spirit. And so I'd kind of walked away a little bit for a while, and then I got invited to a youth group. And my God, it was awesome. The worship was amazing. We would get lost in worship for two hours. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just hungry, just a bunch of kids that were lost. We are wanting something more to this life. They were tired of just hitting our head against the wall. And so God started to do a thing, and miracle signs and wonders started to break out. We didn't know what we were doing, but it was amazing, and the, it grew and grew and grew. And by the time I left the, uh, South Africa and moved here, it had gone from about 10 to 120 kids in less than a year. 
So God was starting to do a thing. But then I moved to the States, and um, not a whole bunch of Holy Spirit going on. Yeah. So we'd gone to church, and it was just dry, just a dry season. And with that kind of upbringing and past and not healing from it, not dealing with it, not acknowledging like, hey, this, this is real, this has affected you, you have heart wounds, you have soul wounds that God wants to heal, I get married. That's really great. <laughs> because everything you've gone through in life, you bring with you into your marriage to become one. And so you bring a piece of you and they inherit what you bring. So try maintaining and... I didn't even know how to lead for flip's sake. I wasn't even taught how to do I didn't even have a vision for my life. I thank God for a church with vision. Yeah. I'd never heard that before I came to this church. Right, right. And so coming out of that background, you know, my wife had her baggage and I have mine. And now you're trying to make a marriage work. And we came into this church. And I can tell you, God met us. He saw us in our time of need. And we cried out for probably a year. We wept in every worship service, every worship session, because we could feel the tangible presence of God, and we'd get ministered to just in worship before the sermon had begun. It was just a beautiful picture of the heart of God. It's a heart after your heart that He wants to heal. He wants you healed more than I do. He wants you blessed more than I do. He wants your soul to prosper more than I do. Because His Word says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. You guys okay? Yeah. All right. I told you it's going to get real. You all right? But I can honestly tell you, whatever you've been through, whatever trauma, life experience you've done, you may have done things to people. I know I did. Or people have done things to you. The healing is always greater than the event. I can think back over my life. And when I think of these memories, the victim mentality doesn't bubble up. The anger doesn't bubble up. The bitterness doesn't bubble up. Because God has healed me of these things. And in Revelation where it says, you will overcome by the power of the blood, by the word of your testimony. See, God won't deal with the memories. But he'll deal with the heartbreak and emotions around him. So that when you share your testimony, you can lead others to freedom. Amen? Yeah. And this is key because in Corinthians it says, in the same measure that the Holy Spirit has ministered to you. Now go and minister to others. Because the same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in you. If you have given your life to Christ, you have become one with Christ. You've been given the mind of Christ. And now you are hidden in Christ. And the enemy cannot do anything by any means to harm you. Amen. That is a beautiful thing. Okay. Got a little bit off track there. Coming into this church and being ministered to by the Holy Spirit and being led through life by pastors and leaders and discipleship, we can't just leave it up to Holy Spirit. It is Bible to let yourself be discipled as well. Like I said, I've been offended many times in this house, but thank God that we stayed because I cannot imagine a life without the people that we're doing life with. This is our tribe. This is our family. And the goodness of God in, in our lives, the blessing that have come from dealing with our past. I, I would love to say, oh, yeah, yes, I'm kind of a big deal. I've did it all myself. I can't explain what the Holy Spirit has done in some cases. Well, I don't feel like I deserve to.
to have the three beautiful children that we have. But we just decided, come hell or high water, we're going to commit to this place. We're going to commit to God. He's going to be the center in, the, in everything we do. We're going to worship Him. We're going to pray. We're going to get into the Word. This is the foundation and the core. And having Him be in the middle of everything. And He has shown up again and again and again and again. And the word testimony literally means in the Hebrew, do it again. Do it again. And I know you might hear, oh, well, if you did it for me, he'll do it for you. As, as much as that's thrown around, it is so true. I know, I know that I know that if he did this for me, he'll do it for you. And there's freedom on the other side of this. And some of you may feel like, well, what does freedom look like? Well, imagine living with a headache your whole life. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. It is literally freedom. And some people don't know what to do with the freedom. And that's where discipleship comes in. And so, like the, your pastors were saying, I love you guys. You're amazing. Um, you can text, I am free, to 555-888 because there's the encounter that you have with the Holy Spirit. And then there's learning how to live in freedom. Like I said, God doesn't deal with the memory, but now you've got to rewire some things. That's why it's be, be transformed by the Word. So it's a journey. We didn't just arrive and do this thing. Pastor Alicia and I are still learning. We're still walking through it. And that's the amazing thing. You get to do this journey with family. You're not alone. And the devil would love to tell you, hey, you've done all these things. You're worse than the dirt on this planet. Nobody loves you. Everybody hates you. He'll get that narrative going on in your head, and he would love to isolate you. And if the devil can't kill you, he'll isolate you. Why? So that you are neutralized. And you are ineffective for the kingdom of heaven on earth. I know I speak from experience. But thank God for pastors like Pastor Mark Connell that came through that are not afraid. We are not afraid of the gospel. We are not afraid of the Holy Spirit. We don't apologize for inviting the Holy Spirit to come and to minister and to touch lives. And I thank God that we don't because the... This country needs the love and power that only Jesus can bring. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right. Looks like I have five minutes. Uh, I can't read. No, anyway, it's all right. <laughs> um, so, title of this message, now that I've kind of got you guys' attention. We're in a series called Awaken Your New Life. And the title of this message is Empowered Living. We have been given the power and authority by Jesus over all the principalities and powers of this world. We've been given the authority as his children, heirs with him, to operate in the things of the supernatural and in the spirit realm. And whatever manifests in the spirit realm will manifest physically. So Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. Interesting. So you can get free from something, but you can let yourself be burdened again. This is where scriptures like be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So freedom from what? It's a good question. Thank you for asking. 
Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So if we go to Luke 4, 33, 36, and in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, O Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent. And Jesus rebuked the demon here because the demon knew who he was, but the people around him didn't. And he wanted the people to have a revelation of who he was. Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Now notice there's a man in the temple, in the synagogue, and he was oppressed. He wasn't, it doesn't say he was possessed. There's a difference. If you have given yourself to Christ and given your life to him, and you are his, Theologically, yeah, you can't be possessed, right? Because the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. You become one with Christ. But we found that you can be oppressed. And it's kind of like having a, you know, like a, a virus or a bug or a flu. It's like, hey, I got the black lung pops, you know. <laughs> and these are very real issues. Some of these things that are undealt with. Um, because I had given myself over to certain lifestyles. I had given the devil legal ground. You have freedom of choice. It can violate kingdom, or it can invite hell. We can make agreements with things that we do not know what we're dabbling with. That's why the Bible says, my people perish with a lack of knowledge. So I'm going to drop some knowledge on you this morning. All right. All right. So what are some of these things we need freedom from? Oppression or bondage. You can have Christians living with incredible guilt, shame, and condemnation. Because they do not believe that they are worthy of the love of the Father. And they do not believe, because of the things they've done, that those things hung on the cross 2,000 years ago. Speaking from example, I was massively wrapped up in guilt, shame, and condemnation because of all the secrecy. Because of all the things I knew, I knew those things were wrong. And then you start hearing those voices. Who do you think you are? What are you doing? You're not good enough. You should just take your life. No one's going to miss you. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Cancel. Thank you. We can go through negative life experiences or decisions that we have not recognized, confronted, or let the Holy Spirit heal. There are times you have to consciously open up your heart and let Him. He will not violate free will or free choice. We have to let Him do what only He can do. I'm just a facilitator here this morning. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do what only He can do. It's not me. So when we have a time of ministry and prayer, don't focus on me. I want you to focus on Holy Spirit. So how do we know we're not living in freedom, an empowered life? Well, you'll see cycles of failure in your life. F failure in your finances, failure in marriages or relationships, things like that. You have a very hard time forgiving people. There's a disconnection in the heart, and we can't let go of grief. There's just general disorder in our lives. We're unable to maintain healthy relationships. 
without proper borders, things of that nature. There's an irrational fear. You just get fearful over nothing. I lived in great fear. It gripped me my whole life to the point where I had my first anxiety attack at 17. And then by the time I was 26, I was in the hospital having a EKG done on my heart because I had all the symptoms of a heart attack. So I was having about 12 to 14 panic attacks a day. And the doctor said, I've never done an EKG on a 26-year-old before. Here's some Valium. And I was like, yeah, I knew in my heart like this wasn't the answer. I, I tried that stuff before and it didn't work. Irrational fear, depression or really deep depression, self-hate, suicidal thoughts and self-harm. You sabotage relationships or you hurt yourself physically. Addictions. There may be unhealthy or destructive attachments to people or objects. Sudden outbursts of rage and anger. That was my jam too. In fact, there was, there was this anger and rage that had passed down through the generations in my family. And my one brother would actually go into what we call a blackout rage. They had to give him horse tranquilizers to get him to relax. So blackout rage is when you get so angry, your whole body tenses up, it cuts off blood circulation to your head and you pass out. <laughs> Fat load of good that does you when you're angry. Probably helps <laughs> before you do any damage. So sudden outbursts of rage or anger, you just, something happens and it just all bubbles up to the surface. You think about somebody, you just get angry, you get emotional, you start cursing them, you know, in your mind or whatever. Um, sinning in anger. So when we're angry and we sin, the Bible says this gives the devil a foothold. Again, it's a decision and it's a choice. Grief. If you have grief, you've gone through the loss of a loved one that you can't heal from, unable to heal from trauma or memories, unexplainable sickness in the family or in yourself, and just feeling massive rejection wherever you go. These are some what we call the fruit. These are some of the ways, the doorways or, or gateways we've opened. This is how they manifest in, in some of these ways. But when we can recognize when it began, we start dealing with the root. See, the world will get you to deal with just the fruit, with drugs, with, they'll just try, silence that. They'll get numb you to get you to function. And I love this church because we're not about surviving. We're about thriving. Because if you have given your life to Christ, your eternity is secured. But now the ultimate goal for us on earth is to bring heaven to earth and to be more like Christ, to be effective, to be fervent in prayer. So everything we do avails much. So when we recognize when it began, we identify the root. So looking at the fruit of when it began is usually in our youth. There might be a generational curse somewhere. Somewhere in the family line, someone gave a demon legal rights. So Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through and it goes through places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. So it thinks of us as a, as a casa, a home, a house. It's been living in there, doing its thing. When it arrives, it finds a house unoccupied swept clean and put in order. And that's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes. 
He puts things back the way God intended them to be. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So this is Jesus talking. And he said, hey, there's a very real spiritual realm. There are demons that have assignments. Just as angels have assignments and there's different levels of government in heaven, all Satan did was copy what God did and set it up. This is not to incite fear into you. Because the Bible says our job is to tear down strongholds, to come against every principality and power of the air. Right? So that says there's a structure, there's a government system in the kingdom of darkness, just as there is in the kingdom of light. And it's Jesus telling us about this. So gateways for the root or a spirit to enter, generational curses. Um, in my case, um, my grandfather had been involved in Freemasonry. There'd been some fortune telling. There'd been a lot of drugs involved. And this, all this stuff just opens up a doorway for the supernatural to operate. Um, you can read through Exodus 20, 1 through 6, or Deuteronomy 27, 28. That talks about this. I don't have time to go into it right now. Idolatry, which is a substitute for God. If we've misplaced God and we put more faith and value and trust in something else above God. Spiritism, uh, fortune-telling, sorcery, divination, sexual sin, sex outside of covenant or sexual perversion, patterns of sin or trauma from painful experiences. If we don't recognize that these have had an impact on our lives, we can very easily allow the enemy to start operating and even what we call energizing to start getting us to think and feel a different way that God never intended. So how do we dismantle these things? Thank you for asking again. <laughs> Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. I know I lived in secrecy and in sin for so long and I couldn't figure out why life just wouldn't move. I would hit ceilings and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't break through. I couldn't figure out why things wouldn't get better and then something else would happen and I'd feel something shift and I'd be like, but things feel worse. So the more these things go on, whether they're undealt with and we don't realize, things get worse sometimes. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And mercy triumphs judgment every time. So how do we dismantle these things? Profess and reestablish your alignment and authority with God. Repent and bring your sins to the cross. Ask God for his forgiveness. He is faithful to do it. He will remember them no more. James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Isn't it interesting that God says, when you forgive others and ask for forgiveness, you yourself are forgiven. I will blot out your sins and remember them no more. But there's a two-part process, and this is where we don't like it. We don't have a hard time going to God and saying, please forgive me. But now I've got to go to someone, confess my sins. Mm -mm. I'm not airing out my dirty laundry. But it says that when we do, we are healed. There's a two-part process. 
One is forgiveness, that we are forgiven by Father, and one is healing. And they work hand in hand. They're very important. Find somebody you trust that loves you and have the conversation. Get real about your life and where you want it to go and the breakthrough you want by having the courage to say, hey, I need to talk to you about some things. I've never told anybody this stuff before. Is it easy? No. But God's with you. He's just waiting because he has a healing for you. Amen? All right. Okay. This one sucks, I know, but forgive those that have wronged you. It's not that what they've done is that we can say they don't deserve forgiveness. No, but you don't want to live under unforgiveness. You want to be free and clear between you and the Father. All right. Matthew, uh, Mark eleven twenty-five, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So forgiveness is huge. I had to go through lots of layers of forgiveness. And I I'm not going to say it was easy, but thank God I did. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you today, it is worth it. Yeah. It is worth not being prideful about it or letting your ego get in the way. Get real with God and let it go. Yeah, right. To quote Frozen, but it's like, you know, it's <laughs> prophetic song right there. I have a four-year-old daughter. It's frozen everything right now. Pray for me, sweet Jesus. Oh, Lord Almighty. Okay, I'm going to move a little bit quickly now. Remove all legal rights you gave over to the devil. Break all agreements with him. The sin must be addressed. We renounce and resist him, and we claim our freedom and renew your mind in the word. An empowered life is one that submits to God and resists the devil. As his word says, this is a lifestyle. I do this every day because I want to be sober and vigilant so I don't give anything over to the enemy. It's one that learns to live under God's authority, aligning yourself with him and his word. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. An empowered life is where a person has taken back that God-given authority and responsibility for your lives. I abdicated so much responsibility, especially in my marriage, and that is why I almost lost it. In fact, I was literally living with a roommate because I didn't know how to be a leader, so I just was like, I put it all on her. That's not a mantle she was meant to carry. And thank God he redeemed and restored and healed our marriage. Amen, Lance. All right. When we take back authority and responsibility, we take back what the enemy has taken. He has robbed some of you of joy. He has robbed some of you of peace. And we didn't even know it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you can get that back. And he will restore that. So I'm going to invite the, the band to come up real quick. The minute I took back responsibility and recognize the authority I've been given by Jesus himself and started taking that authority in my private world, things started to change. I was ready to be, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Eventually we all get to a point where enough's enough. And I will tell you this morning that God is real. His Holy Spirit is real. His love for you is real. And I would love for you to have an encounter with him this morning. So I'm going to actually have us all stand up.
There's some activity involved. I know these seats are comfy, but I need you guys awake. We're going to move into what we call an encounter with the Lord. And this is actually really easy. Again, it's not about me. It's about between you and the Lord. So what I want you to do is open up your heart to Him. Not to me, to Him. If anything I've talked about has resonated with you, then this is especially for you. And you can expect a release. And what does that look like? You feel oppressiveness disappear, an oppressive force disappear. There's a heaviness that can lift. An uneasiness goes away. A burden or a load lightens. Tightness around the head goes away. Nausea will go away. And joy will come. It's one of the signs of His presence is peace and joy. There's an inner sense of liberty, freedom, a divine satisfaction or contentment, and of peace. The result of deliverance is righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. Romans 4.17 